Force Design 2030 guidance emphasizes the need for resilient communication architectures capable of closing kill chains in austere environment. With that comes the need to equip our Marines with the communications equipment to meet that mission. Communication and information systems, such as ground radios, are critical to providing Marines reliable, secure, and flexible communication networks, a critical component of our Warfighter's Toolkit. The modern battle space relies on radios for situational awareness, decision-making, and information sharing. Product Manager for Ground Radios acquires the systems Marines need to communicate securely, including in satellite-denied environments. Today, I'm pleased to have the Product Manager for Ground Radios, Major Joshua Cap, on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. So, can you share a little bit about your background in the Marine Corps and how you came to work in acquisition? Trip, I can. So, I'm a prior enlisted Marine uh, commission in 2007 as a commo. First came to the command on MPS payback, and uh, I had the fortune to um, experience different parts of it. So I met you initially when I was doing um, energy energy engineering work down uh, at the band that was formerly called SIAT, now it's SEAL. I did that for a better part of a year, and then I uh, was able to uh, secure a project officer position at McKeats doing application inclusion, which was nearer to the MOS and the uh, in the MPS degree. Uh, soon after that, I got selected to be the aide de camp. So I, I got the chance to do that for a year. And then I was uh, instructed uh, to go to do uh, NOTAM as a project officer. Okay. Super happy I did that. Great program. It was getting off the ground. And I mean, what a way to learn about the command. Fantastic experience. Went back uh, to the FMF. I was overseas at the time, put in for the MOS. Uh, lucky enough to get the MOS, came back in 2018, and since then uh, I've been um, fortunate enough to be a team lead on a couple teams. So I started out in uh, PFM SES at the time, doing uh, HQST, this is headquarters Marine Corps IT database systems. Got an opportunity to work in uh, GCES for a year doing fire stuff, and then recently moved to CES for ground radios. That's, that's my story. The rest will be history from here. So. It will be. Yeah. In your Current job, you know, in ground radios. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an overview of some of the equipment in the program? I can. So uh, the ground radios team is organized in six different IPTs. So I'm going to route off some acronyms and if you want information, I can tell you about them. So multi-channel radio family systems, MBR2, HFR2, Link16, SCCTHR, and waveforms. So those radios will, will, I'm sorry, those acronyms are distinguishable by the frequency and the capability of the radio, so they're broken up. Collectively, uh, our mission is to uh, field and sustain tactical radio equipment that enables command and control and a situational awareness at echelons and elements across the MAGTAF. It provides line of sight, beyond line of sight, secure voice data that operates on the HF, VHF, UHF, TACSAT, SATCOM, and frequency bands, and then provides for network connectivity across uh, the RF spectrum down to the squad level. So it's a long way of saying that we cover all of uh, tactical radios for the Marine Corps. That's a much shorter way of saying it all is. the other stuff you just said. All right, so in your role as a product manager, just as a product manager in general and yeah. specifically for ground radios, what would an average week look like for you? Ground radios as a team, our job is to ensure that the 85,000 plus radios that are currently in the FMF and the additional 34,000 radios that we're going to acquire in the next five years is supported, sustained, to enable comms across the FMF. All right, so we stay busy with a funding line in excess of $250 million a year. Uh, we're in a consistent cycle of contract prep and award, 
product testing, software firmware updates, new tech, technology, eval, uh, waveform development, FMF engagement, support and sustainment efforts, and then we spend a considerable time doing commodity management and integration activities across the command and services. It is a busy team full of professionals that like what they do, are, are good at what they do, and uh, they're productive and successful. Bring passion to the job. and What I really like about the team is their investment. So not only the, the government uh, civilians and the Marines that work in the team, but also the contractors. So, you know, the vast majority are prime Marines. They have children, right, and brothers and sisters that are in the Marine Corps currently serving. So that just brings a lot of dedication into the work that they do. So it's not just about right uh, being successful at the things, right, because you want to be uh, productive and a successful person, but there's true passion behind it because they, they know what the end result is. They've been there. They have friends and family who, as you said, are there now, yeah. will be there in the future. So how much Marine feedback do you get and how does that factor into your processes? So we need Marine feedback um, to ensure that we're meeting the needs of the FMF. So I'll just cover some of the things that we've um, that we've done recently, let's say just since January. And so we, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the multi-channel handheld uh, radio system, right? We spent uh, three and a half weeks in the desert of Arizona with 20 Marines uh, that came across all three maps. And during that time, we asked them to evaluate the radio, evaluate the radio um, and do um, other, other things that we need to get across the goal line for right, our future field decision, like validate configurations, red light TMs, uh, you know, work through our, our network, uh, our new equipment training, assess uh, our HSI considerations. And so what we want to be able to do specific for the handheld is as it gets fielded, we want to make sure that the accompanying gear, right, is set up specifically for those Marines missions as best as we can. So evaluations of KDUs, lengths of cables, right, specific uh, multiband uh, antennas. We want to know like the current pouch that the OEM is offering, you know, where are you going to put it? How does it fit in? Right. Is it manageable when we're taking it like through an urban environment or through like a, a desert environment? How is that fitting? You know, things like that. So very good. We came out of there not only with good surveys uh, that we can take some action on, but better informed to um, solidify our baseline configuration. for Do they seem to like what you've got? So the good and the and I won't say the bad, but when you ask a Marine a question, they're going to give you a good answer. Right. And what we want is, you know, that honest feedback. So when there are things that are actionable, we want to take action. When there are things that potentially, uh, you know, identify maybe a lack of training, maybe a lack of awareness of what the radio can and can't do. What was it designed to do? And really most ex uh, another more exciting part is when they're out there and you say, all right, Marine, here is a multi-channel radio that is basically, you know, two computers and a small hand handheld form factor that can do many things at the same time. From a commerce perspective, here's how we think it will be employed. Now, what do you think about that? And they, they'll go out there and, and they'll show you something different. Uh, um, let's say an 03 is gonna, is gonna have a different perspective, an 08 is gonna have a different perspective. So being able to see um, and hear, right, and, and talk uh, about those perspectives is important. Okay, uh, that, that's excellent. Uh, the idea that, uh, I mean, you are right out talking to the Marines is exciting stuff. Yeah, the, it, it was it was a good event. It was a good group. 
from engagements, additional engagements, um, routinely we talk to the 2800s, these are the common maintainers. In fact, tomorrow there's a GMAG and then on a quarterly basis, we're gonna talk to, to that community to address specific concerns they have, inform them about upcoming TIs, MIs, DCPs that we're working on, integration efforts, stuff like that. Other engagements that we do on a routine basis are with the Marines, uh, uh, the maintainers, right? So these are the, the common maintainers of the 2800s. So tomorrow we have a GMAG that's done on a routine basis. We have quarterly um, syncs just with ground radios with the fleet. It's a good venue to hear feedback from the fleet specifically on uh, maintenance questions or concerns or you know uh, trends that they see. Uh, we can give them information. We're gonna release a technical instruction, a modification instruction, right? Or other types of uh, efforts that we have going on, integration in JLTV and stuff like that. So what role do radios play in Joint All-Domain Command and Control, also known as JADC2? So the framework itself requires connectivity at all levels. And so when you look at a tactical radio, and, and um, specifically a tactical radio that allows data to be transmitted, is that part of the JADC2 environment? Well, yeah. But how do you how do you fully realize that right across the DOD? You've got to have a radio that one closes those links for the Marines, right, and for other services. Two, does it in a way in which it isn't uh, compromised, right? So you look at resiliency. Three, um, does it with the let's say the crypto, right? That's going to be uh, in season at the time. And then four, does it um, with the right waveforms? And so you have to be able to combine all that stuff to realize the DOD's visions of, of, of JADC2. Now, there are radios out there today, right, that can do those things, and the future radios that will field that will be able to do those things. General way of saying it. Well, we keep that in mind, right, because we have to be interoperable with the other services. When I was a much younger man, I, I did carry a Prick 77 radio for a while in the Army, and I know that we have a lot of commonality on all you know, equipment with the Army. So how much collaboration is there on those and uh, do you interact with other services and allies as well? We do. As early as 2015, we've been in continued conversation with the Army, specifically uh, PM Tactical Radios and, and their program manager, uh, handheld uh, man packet, small form fit HMS. And so we have to be in, in uh, communications with them not only so we can be on the same page for the things that we talked about before with the JET C2 environment, um, but we want to know like what contracts do they have available the same. And they want to know what we're doing. We want to know what versions, you know, firmware and software versions are on for their specific radios. Um, we want to be able to share test data, right? So we can leverage um, each other's good works, NSA uh, certification. Um, and recently we want to be in lockstep with the Army and the Navy SOCOM when it comes to waveform development. And so if we can partner with um, another service who's working with an OEM, right, to get a waveform on a radio that we have, that's good for us. And if we can do, let's say, a waveform and they're doing a waveform, now there's no duplication. And if we keep each other informed about when we're gonna reach the finish lines, right, and that finds its way as, as a part number, let's say, on a contract, well, that's, that's good for everybody. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of conversation between the services because um, there has to be, and we want to we want to leverage each other's good works uh, so we can be more productive. So that's our army partners and such. How about industry? So, what part does industry play in past efforts, and 
What are some of the challenges that you would like to see industry tackle? Yeah, so industry specifically for software-defined radios has led the way. Um, so a lot of the radios um, that we're uh, sustaining and, and future radios that we're procuring are NDI. And so from that aspect, they're going to spend right their time and efforts to develop those, and then we're going to look to see if those are solutions that will meet our requirement. What we want to be able to do is get get more out front, right? So be able to have those discussions early on in which we say, here's where the Marine Corps is heading, and here's what we, we see, here's where we see ourselves in the next five or 10 years. And when we specifically say, we're gonna operate in this general area, we're gonna focus on this type of uh, cryptographic capability, we wanna look specifically at these waveforms, we wanna be in line with the NSA, we wanna be in line with the Air Force, right, and some other entities in the future, we got to have those conversations. So we've got good comms with them. If we can get out in front why they're in their development, maybe we can shape that to our benefit. Right. Excellent. Got them working for us. So so run with the theory. So what about the people that uh, that do work for you? Your, your team, can you talk to us about some of their accomplishments over the last year? And what are some of the things that uh, you're looking to accomplish this year? Yeah, so I'm, like I said before, I'm excited about this team. They're hard workers. They're dedicated. They're intelligent. And frankly, they impressed me with their, their production last year. So just in, in the last, we'll call it 10 months, they let the uh, multi-channel radio family systems, MCHH, this multi-channel radio, a uh, 10-year contract. It's a big contract, $750 million ceiling, right? That gets the, that gets the Marine Corps its next generation of handheld radios. Since then, right, so immediately award and then uh, subsequent delivery orders put about 14,000 radios on order up to this point. So they're working really hard, specifically with the MCHH. The HF uh, team completed the necessary contract actions and then made subsequent procurements to the tune of about 2,600 uh, feature remotes. So these are the, um, the RF9800R, so this is going to replace the current remote that we have and it enables both the MVR2 and uh, our HF systems to pass data. It, it enhances our capability when we look at um, operations from our anthill to our COC and then across right different areas uh, through slash wire. So it's going to provide additional capability. And then um, continued our uh, GLTV vehicle integration work for both our HF and our uh, VHF systems. And then um, we started Link 16 engagements and then worked to stand up the program of record. So you've heard probably Link 16 in, in the lexicon and Absolutely. Right. The Marine Corps um, is finalizing requirements, and once those arrive, then we can stand up a program of record to get after um, level setting the fleet and then providing additional capability. Uh, so next year, or as you were this year, so we're going to begin procuring our multi-channel manpack VRCs and then make a final selection for our dismounted capability. We're looking to uh, procure the remainder of the AOs for our v, uh, VHF and HF systems. Finalize uh, the prep work for our fielding decisions for our MCHH so, so we can start fielding in 24. Get after our Link 16 work. Update uh, waveforms uh, across systems and then uh, continue to update the AOs. Okay. All right. So if you know what any of those acronyms are that you're doing. So I knew about half of those acronyms, uh, maybe a third. Give myself credit for, for maybe a yeah. third. I'm assuming there's one, two, ten, a hundred Marines that are going to listen to this and they'll know every single acronym. 
And if you do, email Trip your name and where you work, and you'll get an email back. <laughs> It'll be an email that just says, thanks for listening to the podcast. So, right. I appreciate that plug. So, so question. So what is next for PDM Ground Radios? So I'm going to throw a couple more acronyms out, and then I'll, I'll tell you what they mean. And then why we're getting excited. About Those 100 Marines will already know that. But. Some, right? I, if there's industry listening, they'll, they'll know some of this too. Because the Army's doing this already, and it's, it's pretty darn exciting. Right? So we're taking a hard look at uh, CMOS, right? As the true form factor for uh, the future tactical radio capability. Right? CMOS is C4 ISR modular open suite of standards. It's part of a MOSA construct, uh, construct I'm sorry, modular open systems architecture. All right, so what's exciting about this is if you can standardize the dimensions of the box and you can standardize uh, a ton of things that go into the box, cards, right, cards that have different purposes, how um, the switching happens, then you could potentially get a lot of uh, action and activity from industry that's spread, right, across many areas. And so... uh, IEEE, right? It's a term that means something and helped us standardize. They do standards for all sorts of things, things, right? Right. So if we can uh, capitalize on those standards, and the Army is already starting to work on that, right, the future is wide open. So our our problem, right, the Marine Corps needs the ability to provide enhanced multi-channel tactical radios, updated enhanced waveforms, and modern crypto on a routine basis, all while getting out of interlock. So as we go forward, right, and we have to keep pace with the adversary, we're going to have to update those internal components quicker than we're doing it now. And so to follow the standard OEM model, awesome radio, software-defined, multi-channels, right? But you can't turn quick enough for what the future is going to require. And as the waveforms become, we'll call more numerous and uh, more interesting with the things that they're going to enable us to do, we got to have components that allow us to keep pace with that. So we think that the CMOS... Uh, construct is the way that we're going to get after all that. Keep up with the speed of industry and technology. It's a different way to look at right how we procure and uh, sustain uh, a tactical radio capability. And it's pretty exciting. Not, not a brand new box every couple years. It's just some it, components. It's, it's a, it's, the components are pretty standardized. The, uh, the coolness is when you have a specific card, right? you're going to have multiple waveforms on that card. Maybe you have another card that has other multiple so you could tailor your specific capability for your mission. So if you're going to go into theater, right, and you right now and you want to do, uh, let's say, uh, multiple activities. But let's just say that you got to go in there and, and we'll use um, uh, a Marine that's, that's calling in fires, for instance. He's got to communicate with the air. He has to communicate right with the ground. He's got to be able to do voice and data at the same time. He's got to be able to uh, potentially get ISR feeds in. Right. This Marine is carrying a lot of kit. He needs batteries for all that. He's got to have cables for all that. There's normally something in the middle that's computing all, all the tracks and data to get a firing solution. That requires a lot of stuff. And so he's packing, let's say, four or five radios. If you can now get that down, and instead of a whole radio, you can put that in a card, and you can tailor-made that specific card for your AAO, right? You're going you're gonna to be able to do things. What's... what's great about this this handheld radio so this is a dual channel handheld radio that can do uh, voice and data at the same time uh, so when you look at 
the capability that it's going to replace. And specifically some of the Manet waveforms, this is the mobile ad hoc network waveforms, self-forming, self-healing um, goodness that we're using now in, in, in bigger form factors. But that we all talk about at the dinner table every all, night. If you're cool, you do. The cool kids, right? right. Uh, this is a handheld uh, form factor. So the, the, the idea that we're going to cut the size and increase the capability, and when we look at the Marines, they got to have multiple radios. We talked about them, let's say the, the JTAC and the Fires Marines. They, we're providing right, uh, greater capability at a lower, let's say, swap value. And then uh, we want to be able to um, stretch the legs on this thing as waveforms start to develop, right, to see if we can get these things ported on there. Now, it's not going to do as a good of a job as the multi-channel man pack just because of its size, but it's a pretty exciting kit. Now, the team that uh, uh, specifically brought this across the finish line this January with the big contract that we were talking about, so this is the multi-channel um, multi-channel radio family systems IPT. So Bill, Drew, um, Alex Sabea, and um, uh, Brian Marshall, to say a few, and then uh, all of the support um, contract team in, in the, see the engineers at the uh, PM level and even at the PFM level, I mean, everybody was involved in this. And so as we move this um, uh, um, forward in its, uh, let's say it's, it's pre-fielding work and they get a fielding decision and get this out to the fleet, um, this is an exciting time for the Marine Corps. Now coming on the heels of that is going to be the multi-channel man pack. And this is a bigger, uh, let's say, uh, box. There's, it's going to be a We'll call it a distributed capability, right? And there's also going to be a BRC component. The goodness about the BRC component is, right, it's going to be standardized across the PEOs and all of our platforms. So as we move forward and we talked about the future, which is going to be a CMOS form factor, this is going to have the legs to get us there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'll brag a little bit about the HF team. They were asked to do a very hard thing a couple years ago and um, do an early fielding and the amount of work required, not only in the front end, but the additional work that they're continuing to do on the back end, I mean, that's taxing, right? Uh, Lee King, Thurman, um, Ian Rodriguez, like they're, they're constant professionals that continue, right, to, to provide value to the Marine Corps by putting these capabilities out there and then sustaining them. It is, it is a hard thing to do um, to maintain and sustain a software-defined radio. It probably was easier with the Brick 77. We have to worry about firmware and software updates. We have to worry about, you know, resilient capabilities. If uh, LPI and LPD mean anything, no. I mean, somebody on here knows. Somebody. Yeah. No, I appreciate the lesson. Uh, so for those hundred Marines or so who have understood everything you've had to say, uh, I would say, you know, we're always looking for acquisition professionals. So what would you say? to a Marine who might be thinking about making the switch to an acquisition MOS. I gotta tell you, um, this is a challenging and, and rewarding MOS, which is always looking for senior Marines who wanna make a lasting impact to the enterprise. So if there's a Marine that's listening and um, you think this might be an MOS that you wanna get into, I, I'd recommend you go out and look at the uh, MAR MS solicitations. So specifically uh, this year, I think it was 416 TAC-12 and uh, 534 uh, TAC-22. So go look at those. Uh, it'll give you um, uh, some decent points of contacts and, and a target to shoot at. It's always a good good idea if you're interested in MOS, get orders to the command. And when you get here, uh, be hungry 
and add value. Get into the trenches as early as you can and make the program better, and then you'll get the bug. That sounds great. I, I really appreciate everything you've had to, to bring to us uh, today. Um, I look forward to maybe getting you back here sometime in the future. You can give us background on something else, whatever you're moving to next. But we've got a thing we do around here called the lightning round. So I've got some lightning round questions for you. Are you ready for those? I'm ready. You are ready. <laughs> that is good to know. Good to know. And you look ready. All right. So when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A uh, race car driver and a cowboy. Race car driver and a cowboy. Is that two things or just one? Well, you we can, can have two jobs. You can do one of the on you know Monday through Friday and do the other one Saturday. And Cowboying on weekends. Nice. Well, I guess or it's race car one. driving on weekends. Yeah, it's for maybe. fun. Yeah. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be? St. Paul. St. Paul. Yeah. It's an excellent choice. Do you have any tips for maintaining a work-life balance? The chuckle tells me that maybe we're still working yeah, on that one ourselves. Yeah, no, so um, God, family, country, core, in that order. Try to PT every day except Sunday. God, family, yeah. country, core. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the PT thing I'm, I'm lacking on, but if you're going to maintain stress in a, in a stressful environment, you got to find some outlet. Good advice. And so what is a TV show, book, movie, or podcast that you would recommend? Oh, uh, let's see. Right now I'm... Um, Trying to work my way through um, Introduction to the Devout Life by uh, Sales. If I was going to recommend a book for funsies, I guess it would be uh, E.B. Sledges with the Old Breed, if you've ever read that one. <laughs> Man, that's a classic. Maybe There's Marines listening to this. you got to read that book. Missioner makes a good book, series. Like If, if you're going to move around in PCS all over the place, for instance, uh, when, when I came over here, he... he did a book on the Chesapeake area. I thought that was a forum. He's got Texas, Hawaii, right? Yeah, stationed in, you know, if you're ever free meth in, in uh, Hawaii, he's got an awesome one about Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So it gives you kind of some perspective on the environment. Read some missioners, so good deal. Well, yeah. excellent suggestions. I'll look into, look into some of them, and uh, I know that we'll get those posted up so that other people can uh, listen to your advice. So thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show today. Okay, thank you. Well, this concludes another episode of Equipping the Corps. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. If so, please take a couple minutes to leave us a review, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Until next time, stay safe. This is Trip Elliott, signing off.